so the aspect of sila, morality, it develops um, into samadhi. And then samadhi, when that's being cultivated well, uh, develops into wisdom. And wisdom in the, this Buddhist religion is that which will help us uh, to take us out of suffering. But we have to um, struggle to develop it. It's not easy because we have a lot of habits that go the opposite direction. We've been lost or drunk in the world uh, for a long time now in many different things. And it's like we've had a very good and close friend who we feel uh, very comfortable with. And they've been taking us many places and have been deluding us for a long time. So we need now to train to have a new friend. So this samadhi is something that we're not familiar with, but we need to uh, become close to it. And this takes time. And even though we do train ourselves, it's normal that the mind will revert to its old ways, finding joy in sense pleasures and the different aramana, the mental objects that we experience. And this is just the nature of the heart. Even the right and left-hand disciples of the Buddha, Venerable Sariputta and Venerable Mahamogalana, um, they had been developing their bharamis, their spiritual perfections, for many, many lives. And the, uh, both of them eventually became great disciples of the Buddha. But even though they had this potential for so much wisdom and so much uh, in the ways of psychic powers, when they were born into their last lives, even they got lost and drunk on the things of this world. They would go to shows and watch them all day. When they reached the point where their barami came to fruition, and they saw through the deluded nature of this drunken um, seeking pleasure in the world, something that they'd done for their entire lives up to that point, but there was no substance that they could find in it. There was no real meaning in it. Every pleasure that they had gained um, lasted for a while and then it ceased. And then they need to go and find another source of pleasure and then that would disappear. So they'd have to go and find something else again. Nothing would last. But eventually they came to contemplate, to see the truth and become bored. Um, their minds got fed up with finding joy in all of these things. So they sought out the Dhamma as a refuge for their hearts instead. So each of the great disciples of the Buddha um, had different paths to um, awakening. What was important and what they all had in common was that when they saw the suffering in life, then they also tried to seek a way out of that suffering. They saw the pain that arises in the body and the stress that can come in the heart. 
And so they sought a path that would free them from that. And that's something that's also natural for our hearts, is when we suffer to try and find a way out of that, to try to find a refuge that we can rely upon. So they had these two great disciples who developed a lot of barami, and eventually they met with the Buddha, and they listened to his Dhamma. And all of the disciples, the great disciples of the Buddha, had this path, meeting the Buddha, listening to his Dhamma, and eventually understanding it, attaining to the path and the fruits of Sotapanna. And it wasn't very difficult for them to do because they'd been developing these spiritual perfections for a long time already. But for us, we may still be lost and drunk on worldly things, and that's okay. Um, we can stay like that for a while. But when we've had our sense of pleasure in the world, then we need to teach ourselves as well that these things, they're not sure, they're impermanent. And before we get lost in the world, then we teach ourselves, and afterwards we teach ourselves. And for many lay people, it's just not the time for them to really throw themselves into the practice in a sincere way. But it's good enough for now to have dana, this generosity, and to keep sila, morality, well, and have this as a foundation for life. We can uh, do some chanting, we can do some meditation, and that's all right to carry on going like this. And maybe further, one day, will truly see the benefits of the practice. And from that point, the momentum will pick up by itself. We'll see the danger in the heart that is confused and frantic. And when the mind suffers, we'll know that we don't really have anything that can help us in our hearts. So we'll understand at that point that Peace of mind is really important. We should have mindfulness and we should be investigating until this can give rise to wisdom. So we've all studied uh, many different uh, subjects and worldly knowledges and this is for the purpose of gaining wealth in the world so we can live at ease. If there's an illness in our body, we have the finances to treat it. But the inner wealth is that of sila, samadhi, and vanya. And this is something that we also need to seek out and find so that when our hearts suffer, we have a refuge that we can turn to. Because if we don't have mindfulness and we don't have wisdom, then we won't be able to fix or solve the problems in our hearts. There'll just be heat in the heart. The heart has this uh, upadana, this attachment, and it'll go and attach to everything. Seeing and taking everything as being me and mine. If we like something, the heart delights in that. And then when that thing fades, the heart goes into disliking and aversion. It constantly gets blown around by these worldly dhammas. And that's what the normal heart in the world is like. When the dhammas of gain or loss come, or praise, blame, status, disrepute, happiness, and pain, these are 
the dhammas, the qualities of the world. And if we haven't trained our hearts, then they'll be blown around by these dhammas. We may have experienced pain or we may have experienced pleasure in the world, but there won't be any peace. And that happiness, it's not true happiness. What we normally call happiness is really just a reduction in suffering. So we need to train ourselves in samadhi so that our hearts can experience a sense of ease and peace. But we don't make ourselves stressed when we do that. We just allow our minds to calm down. Because when we're not intent on watching the breaths, enough minds feel at ease. So when we come to have mindfulness over the breath, we just allow us to carry on being at ease and allow the breath to be comfortable. We don't control it. We allow the breath to come in by itself and to leave by itself and just know it as it is. If there's much thinking going on, then we can chant or we can recollect uh, some more active forms of meditation. So like the five kamatanas of hair of the head, hair of the body, now of the skin. And we use this as the focal point of our minds. And whatever method is effective for bringing the mind to peace, we use that, but there's no need to doubt over it. We just use whatever works, whether it's one particular object, or we can have two or three objects that we cycle between in order to bring about stillness. We don't doubt over it. Really, all of these objects, they're okay. We just use whatever we're skilled at um, to bring the mind into a state of peace. Just like the professions in the world. If people are skilled in engineering or skilled in medicine, then they take that up as their profession and they use that to gain wealth and to find money. And it's the same with the practice. Whatever object of contemplation we're skilled in, then we take that up. And we can ask ourselves uh, different questions about the nature of our lives, the nature of the world. Ask ourselves these things, they're really permanent, do they last? Are they stable? We can ask ourselves this mind that we take to be me, it's my mind, right? Is that something sure, is it stable? And the mind should respond that these things, they're not stable. We can ask ourselves that if there was just birth and no death, would that be a good thing? We see that all birth ends in death, and that's uh, a sure thing, that life is not sure. We carry on asking ourselves questions about these topics and do that continually until our minds reach peace and we can see truly that these things are inconstant. And this shows that we all have gained wisdom from samadhi. In the beginning, it's just sanya, it's just memories, uh, perceptions that we bring up intentionally in the mind, but as we carry on doing it, it turns into true wisdom. Eventually we'll get to know the heart that is in peace and that has gained samadhi, and there'll be a coolness there. Before the heart was hot and stirred up due to all the things that it attached to, but now it's released those and it's cooled down. We'll know that before we used to get angry very often and get uh, very uptight about things. 
but this is reduced and reduced. Maybe we weren't interested in the Dharma before, but now we do have a genuine interest. And so the practice develops in this way, little by little. And one day we'll meet with peace, and that will be a great day for us. So we take the five precepts um, as our standard for life. And even though we may get lost in worldly pleasures, um, if we keep these five precepts, it's not a waste of time. And one day when we carry on keeping these precepts, then we'll have a greater sense of sincerity. In the morning, we can do some chanting, and the evening, some chanting, and uh, do a little bit of meditation. Because we see that during the day, the mind is not very peaceful. We can ask ourselves, well, this mind, it's mine, right? So then why doesn't it experience peace? I want for there to be peace. I want for it to calm down. So why is it all stirred up? Why is it so chaotic? Why do I not have a refuge in my heart? Some people suffer so much that they can't even get to sleep. And this shows that the attachment there in the heart and the chilesas are really at full strength. But we've all developed barami before. Um, and so we deep down know that there is a sense of peace in the heart that we have experienced at some point in the past, a stillness there that we've known before. And we want for there to be this stillness. We want for the mind to be empty. So why isn't it like this? If we just allow our minds to follow all of the sense impressions they experience in the world, um, then there won't be, that shows that we don't have much of an interest in the practice. But as we carry on, then a renewed interest may come up in us. And maybe we'll start studying the scriptures. And we'll learn about things like the four foundations of mindfulness. Then when we start knowing about these things, we start wanting to get those things for ourselves. We want to get results fast. We look at the scriptures, we go and find great teachers but we don't really understand what's being said. And so our minds just get stirred up. We study various things, but um, when I went to stay with uh, Venerable Ajahn Chah in Buchar, he didn't teach according to the scriptures. He didn't talk about the four foundations of mindfulness. What he taught was that we should study this body and this mind. And that's what he would talk about. He wouldn't tell us to follow the scriptures, just to have mindfulness, knowing at this mind, knowing whether our hearts have got involved with liking or disliking, and to have patient endurance with the things that we experience. Contemplating and teaching our mind about the nature of the world. So there's no need really to uh, do much study about the scriptures. Just have a lot of mindfulness. Whether standing, walking, sitting, lying down, have mindfulness, have a sense of restraint, be careful with what we're doing. 
he wouldn't teach the Satipatthanas. Just say that when the mind is peaceful, then come and investigate this body. Go over uh, the objects of hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. And go back and forth over these. Because these are the five objects that are taught uh, two months on the ordination day. And it's something that Lumpucha would teach monks very frequently. But he wouldn't emphasize this teaching to the lay people because it's more the duty of the monk to do this, to go over these objects uh, that start from hair of the head and finish of the skin. So this is the foundational, uh, the foundation subject uh, that we learn as monks because our hearts get so attached to forms. We delight in forms, in hair, in nails and teeth and skin, seeing them as being beautiful, as being constant, being a source of happiness and being mine. But these are crazy perceptions that we hold. So we need these meditation objects to fix these crazy perceptions and make them into sane perceptions, seeing that uh, this body is not beautiful, that it's not constant, that it's a source of stress and that it's not self until we understand clearly that this really is the truth. And when we do gain a clear knowing of this, then all doubts will be relieved in the practice. When we don't have any doubts, then we'll um, have a sense of knowing and our mindfulness will be centered on the mind, knowing what's happening. If the mind is getting attached to anything, if it's delighting in anything. And we'll see that that's just something normal that the mind goes and delights in things that it likes, and that's just what it does. We may say that I don't want for this to happen. I want the mind to be still. I don't like it being in a chaotic state. I want for there to be emptiness. I want for the mind to just clear out and be empty. And knowing that attaching to things causes suffering, we can teach our minds this and that's good, but if we really desire for that to happen, um, then we'll suffer because of it. Because all things arise due to causes and conditions. And the causes, which is tanha, is craving, it's still there in our hearts. And so our hearts go and attach to things. So when the heart goes and attaches, then there won't be much peace. There won't be emptiness in the mind. The mind won't be concentrated. And they'll be experiencing the suffering due to the attachment that's there. So we have the karma for this, for the mind to go and attach. So what should we do then? We don't want for the heart to suffer. We don't want for the kilesas to be torturing our hearts. We don't want for these things to arise, but they do arise. So what do we do? Well, we walk the path that will take us out of this, and this path of sila, samadhi, panya. We follow that. As we carry on with us and carry on developing mindfulness over the body and over our minds, then we'll feel a sense of lightness and ease in our bodies and minds. We'll see clearly uh, the nature of the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. 
And before it won't be so clear. Initially, we may want for a visual image to arise in our minds about these things in limiter, uh, but that won't come up in the beginning. But slowly as we practice and our minds do gain peace, then there should be an image that arises in the mind and we'll be able to play around with it. We'll see the hair in more detail. We can see it as it turns into the earth elements and then as it decays even from that point. And the heart becomes clear and bright and clean because of this clear understanding. And just like murky water that's being stirred up um, and then allows to settle, so the sediment drops to the bottom and we can see right through that water. In the same way, the heart becomes clear. But initially, we need a teacher to guide us, to pull us along this path of practice. And so we carry on practicing without stop. And that's what I did with Lumpur Cha. He would guide me and I would uh, follow his guidance. And one day, though, there was a clarity in the mind. Lumpur Cha would tell us to walk, tell us to walk this way and that way, because a harsh storm was coming. So we needed to get out of the way. And just like an elephant, uh, mother elephants that's walking along and its child is following, uh, the elephants, the mother will take good care, look back and uh, make sure that the baby elephant is following along. And just the way our teachers, they walk first and they make sure that we're following close behind them. And as we follow them, we feel that Nibbana is really right by, it's right next to us. But after not long, we start getting confused again. We start uh, going off this path of practice. So then the mother elephant has to walk back again, try to find its child and take the child along the right path. And so uh, the great teachers, they have to come and find us again to help our hearts so that there's a foundation so that we can gain peace in our minds and our hearts can be relieved of doubts. And eventually got a point in my practice that I didn't have to ask my teacher anymore because there was a clarity in my mind. I knew that this was the right way, this was the right path. I didn't have to question that anymore. And that'd be, there was a lot of sitting meditation, walking meditation, just coming up naturally. And in the end, there was great clarity. Could see all things clearly. And for all of us, we should follow this way as well. In the end, all of us will be able to see clearly too. In the beginning, we see the danger and the harm in attaching to the things of this world but it takes time to develop the practice as well. And one day we may, in the space of one day, we may get lost and drunk on the things of this world, but slowly we need to pull our hearts back, back towards the Dhamma. We may be lost in the world during the day, but in the evening we should come and sit in meditation. But this meditation, it takes time as well to develop. Um, and it takes time for us to see and get to know the Dhamma. We do chanting, we contemplate into uh, what these chants are teaching us as well. 
And maybe we can bring up the Karyana, the Karaniya Metta Sutta, um, and use that to cultivate metta in our hearts, to relieve our hearts of aversion and ill will. But even though we do this, still our minds will get involved in anger because there's a sense of self contained within them. The chilesis are still firmly embedded in our hearts. And so there's just a lot of anger waiting there. Maybe someone says something or does something we don't like. And just a tiny thing, they just mention something small. And our hearts can flare up with anger. But if we've trained ourselves in Dhamma, then eventually we'll be able to forgive them. Maybe it takes time. Maybe we need a whole year or maybe a few months. But in the end, we'll be able to give our forgiveness. We reflect that all the things that we receive uh, is so because of the karma that we've done. So if someone shouts at us or they say something insulting, that's because of karma that we've made in the past. If someone hits us, that's because of karma that we've made in the past. Or maybe someone even sets fire to someone else, well, that's because of their karma. And there was Lady uh, Samawadi in the time of the Buddha, and she was a Sotapanna. But even though she was a Sotapanna, she still uh, was locked in her palace, and the palace was set fire to, along with 500 of her maids. And even though she was in this palace that was set on fire, she wasn't heedless because she'd be contemplating death for a long time. So she could accept that this was happening because of her karma. Um, and so she wasn't concerned over her life. She knew that death would have to come to her for sure. Really, she uh, experienced this, being burnt alive, because in a previous life, um, she had uh, set fire to a Pacheka Buddha. Initially, she was out in the forest during winter, and she was cold, so she lit a fire to keep herself warm. But then she noticed there was a Pacheka Buddha uh, sitting close by, and she realized that lighting this fire was an inappropriate thing to have done, but she didn't want for anyone to know about it. So she also set fire to the Pacheka Buddha. And as a result, she went to hell for a very long time. But when she finally gained a human birth, she was able to reach the stage of Sotapanna. And even while she was being burnt, uh, she could contemplate so that she attains to the label of Sakadagami. So this came because she was able to contemplate into the nature of karma. And if we do this, then it can allow our hearts to be at ease through wisdom. So for us, we should train ourselves and bring up effort in the practice. And if we do that, then we'll definitely be, uh, we'll definitely receive the results of our mental cultivation. <laughs>